Picture this, you're sitting down to watch a live poetry performance. The first poet takes the stage, and as they begin to read, they're accompanied by a live jazz band. If this sounds intriguing, well, you're in luck. International Jazz Poetry Month returns to Pittsburgh on May 2nd. The festival features more than 50 artists, including local jazz icons and poets from Algeria, Cuba, Sudan, and Ukraine. Tickets to watch online or in person at City of Asylum's home on the north side are free. Get yours at cityofasylum.org before they're gone. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, our city kids are going back to school today, and it seems like the district's staffing crises aren't as bad as we expected. But why has it been so hard to fill teaching jobs in Pennsylvania? I'm with CityCast Philly host Chenae to talk about why it's so much worse here in Pennsylvania than in other parts of the country and what Pittsburgh and Philly could be doing about it. It's Monday, August 28th. I'm Megan Harris, and here's what Pittsburgh is talking about. Hey, Megan. Hey, Trinae. Good morning. So I'm getting ready to send the kids back to school. I got a pile of notebooks and crayons and pencils (laughs) on the kitchen table. Um, And so are so many other households across the Commonwealth. But, you know, I want to talk about what our children and families will be walking into this school year. Yeah, hopefully another good year for the kiddies. Mm -hmm. But all that learning is really coming at a cost to the educators right now. um, And we're going to kind of get into that. Okay, so you're going to really be the bearer of bad news today, Megan. (laughs) Sorry, but we knew this one was going to be tough. And honestly, when you first brought up the idea of talking about all this, I knew I'd go down a wormhole of research. Covering K-12 education was one of my first jobs here in Pennsylvania, and it's something that I've stayed pretty passionate about, especially as a new mama now. Um, So the big problem, last year in Pennsylvania, a record number of teachers, like all teachers, any kind of school, left the profession. And there just aren't enough new teachers here in Pennsylvania to replace all those positions. So this is something we've been we've both been following for a few months now, and it really seems like it's a bleak picture. Yeah, it's it's really not a happy one. Um, and it's your typical systemic problem. A big, messy backstory, a lot of far-reaching effects. Um, and we won't go too deeply into everything, but hopefully this will give you like a digestible overview of the problem, the causes, the consequences, um, and a few potential solutions. Okay. So let's start with the problem. According to Penn State Center for Education Evaluation and Policy Analysis, more teachers have left the profession last school year than ever before. What's up with that? That's nearly 10,000 teachers statewide. Um, Those include resignations, retirements, terminations. I think it's important to note it does not track people who left a teaching job for maybe another one in a different state or those who left for a non-teaching job still in the same industry, like becoming an administrator, for example. Mm. Um, But it's still a pretty stark number in the Pittsburgh area um, and across the state, really. It varies a lot by district um, and type of school, right? Because private and religious schools operate under this totally different microscope. So we'll be focusing in more on public and charters and folks that operate in that system. So I was looking at Pittsburgh. HR reps from 
Pittsburgh Public told the Post-Gazette last week that they were actually feeling pretty good about today. Like there were still a bunch of teaching and substitute spots to fill, but jobs like food service and special education are staffed now. But it took them all summer, Trené, to do that, like a bunch of hiring blitzes to get there. Philly Public Schools, though, is a very different story. Um, By county, because that's how they count it, Philadelphia had by far the highest teacher attrition rate at 16.4%. 16.4. So like to compare, Pittsburgh's was 6%. That's the percentage of workforce lost just in a single school year, year over year. And Megan, in July, the school district of Philadelphia actually hosted a job fair. And WHYY reported that they were looking to fill 1,000 vacancies before the new year. Yeah. It's basically, if you need a job, just come to Philly, I feel like. Um, But uh, (laughs) it's also been reported that there were about 300 teacher vacancies to fill. But the great news, I think, uh, in this WHYY article is that it said that 200 candidates were currently in that onboarding process. So it's looking like there's movement in in this direction. Yeah, and I think that's a really great and important point. Like, I mean, you know, a lot of us don't get hired in this way, right? Like we go through a more standardized hiring process and we know it's coming. That doesn't happen in our education system every year for everybody. Like this hiring stuff can really get locked in at like the last possible moment. That seems so strange to me, though, right? And it stresses me out because I'm like, who's going to be my kid's teacher? And what school supplies do I I need, right? Like... (laughs) And literally Thursday and Friday, I guarantee you districts all over the state were trying to like make final arrangements for some of these classroom assignments. Um, It's kind of nuts. So the latest numbers I saw in Pittsburgh is that they were still lacking 30 teachers and 50 substitutes. That's as of last week. Mm. Um, But that could be totally different as of today. So that's where we are headed into the school year. Uh, which starts today for Pittsburgh Public. Um, Every district and every region is a little bit different. Might have been last week, might be next week. So I want to know, Megan, why can't the state and our respective cities keep enough good educators? That is the big question, right? Like, why aren't there more teachers right now? Um, And there are a bunch of reasons, but we're going to focus on four big ones. Are you ready for these? Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) Number one, uh, this will not come as a shock to anyone. Teacher salaries have not kept up with inflation, especially for our early career teachers. Right. There's just not enough money. Number two, loss of prestige, which I thought this one was interestingly phrased. So teachers are reporting that they don't feel respected. And some of that is about pay, um, but also about how our classrooms are being politically legislated right now, how folks have been coming for our library systems, changing what kinds of history or what version of history gets taught. Um, And that's just some of the more recent stuff. Like if you go back to the second Bush era, teachers have been complaining, rightly, I think, about having less and less control of their classrooms the outcomes of it because of so many standardized tests. And then, of course, the pandemic, right? Like teachers, some of them never came back. A lot of students have struggled to keep up in that kind of virtual environment. I don't know if your kids had any experiences with that. Oh, yes. Um, But then, (laughs) yeah, then there's learning loss, right? And sometimes kids like act out. So there's mental and behavioral health stuff that just classrooms and districts have struggled to keep up with. Um, And then one more big one kind of under this number two, A lot of teachers are afraid of being shot, like school shootings are weighing on people a lot. All of that stuff is kind of combining to make the teaching profession look a lot less advantageous than it once did. I completely can understand where they're coming from. 
Yeah, yeah. So I think number three is actually weirdly a good thing, but it's not helping our schools. So we've got a really good economy right now, which means that teachers have options. Like a lot of them are college educated. They're excellent project managers. They can make complicated stuff seem simple. In most cases, they're pretty patient people. These are really attractive skills. (laughs) Like um, higher paying professions are recruiting them like crazy, um, even among their own. Like some teachers, it just makes more financial sense to become an administrator, even if that means losing the stuff you love that got you into it, the classroom part. And then last, number four training. Um, This is the piece that I think is so stark to me. When I moved to Pennsylvania a decade ago, our colleges and universities were still considered one of the best training programs nationwide for teaching. And at the time, it was not uncommon to see three or four thousand applicants for a single job. Like, imagine that 10 years ago. And that's just not the case anymore. Um, And years prior to that, things were quietly changing. There had been 2,000 teaching jobs cut across the state. So that's why suddenly there were all these applicants everywhere. And the training just vastly outnumbered our available teaching jobs. So young people were looking around and being like, okay, maybe there's not going to be a position for me. Maybe I should study something else. And I don't know if you remember this, Cheney, but there was uh, headlines constantly around that era, like 2012, 2013, 2014, about our teacher's pension. Yeah, there were a lot of strikes happening across Mm -hmm. the state with, um, with different districts. Um, around teachers' salaries and and pensions, yeah. Yeah, so now you don't even have that baller retirement to sweeten the pot. So in that last decade, fewer and fewer people have been going to college to become a teacher. Universities responded by reducing their training and education programs, and some of them dropped them altogether. So now suddenly we have the reverse problem, a ton of jobs and not enough people interested or certified to fill them all. Do you like to dance, look at beautiful art, eat gourmet snacks, people watch? Well, mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins, and so will everyone else there. Be playful, be imaginative, explore your magical realm, because this is a theme party. You want to come dressed to impress. You must be 21 and up to attend, and rest assured, every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum, its art, its education, and all of its community outreach initiatives. Get your tickets now to the 25th Mattress Factory Garden Party. They are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. Okay, so how is this all going to play out in our classrooms, right? What's going to happen in Pittsburgh and what's going to happen in Philly? 
So that's the next big thing, right? Like the consequences. Um, I think you've probably seen evidence of this. Philly has been faring the worst of any county in the Commonwealth. According to that Penn State study, we'll link it in the show notes, um, turnover in many cases is highest among men and teachers of color. Um, You and I, of course, both know this, but I think it bears saying city school districts like Pittsburgh and Philly serve much larger populations of kids of color than anywhere else in our state. Um, But in Pennsylvania, black, Hispanic and multiracial teachers were around twice as likely to leave the teaching profession than their white counterparts. These are really pressing issues in Pittsburgh and Philly. Um, Philly, of course, has one of the highest concentrations of black residents in the entire United States. It's really important we figure this out. You know, it's something to have a teacher that understands you, um, not just academically, but the whole person of you as a student, Um, understands your family, understands um, cultural celebrations that you have, you know, some of the fun stuff that is just kind of normal to the development of any child. You know, having that mentor, the coaches and um, that teacher that, you know, you fall like I fell in love with music and history because of certain teachers. So it's just really important for, you know, the whole part, you know, of, of education. Yeah. And it models the education system, too. Like, you know, a really good teacher can make you maybe consider being one yourself in some capacity. But if you don't see yourself in the system, then why would you dream of becoming part of it? You know what I mean? So the why behind that, I think some of it is burnout, right? For sure, yeah. The Rand Corp recently published a study, um, I think it was in June, that found that black teachers specifically report much higher rates of burnout all over the country um, and that they just felt more likely to quit their jobs. Um, Some of it, I think, is bad policy, like the racist, sexist, homophobic curricula we see being peddled, especially in Texas and Florida. And then some of it is also just bad planning. Um, There's this really cool organization in Philly called the Center for Black Educator Development. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of work around recruiting teachers of color, um, but its leader, Sharif al he told NBC that a lot of the districts that come to him for help don't have any plans for retention. Like, they get the talent in the door, but then they don't provide any opportunities for advancement or professional development or mentorship. Like, they don't get to shape local policy or curricula. So they, they get hired and then they're out of there. I feel like there's been a pullback recently of diversity and inclusion efforts um, at a lot of different companies. And a lot of workers and professionals of color have, have said similar things that they're just not getting that type of support. Now, those are probably just regular teaching jobs. And I'm guessing it's worse for people who are taking on temporary positions, part time work, substitute work even. Yeah, 100%. So, Megan, with teachers leaving, how does this impact the classroom? I mean, turnover hurts everyone, right? Like, Chalkbeat actually did a really nice two-part breakdown that we'll link in the show notes, but I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. Students lose a trusted face, a person who recognizes you, your talents, your skills, and helps you through your challenges. Schools lose institutional knowledge. Like, you can't ask last year's teacher about a student's progress so you have an idea of what you're walking into. 
That loss of teachers then leads to maybe lower student test scores, which, as we have established, can affect some of that state and federal funding and the support that makes you feel maybe less good about the job you're doing because of the way you feel like you're being judged on it. And schools can't find substitutes, so then the full-timers have trouble taking time off or they have to cover extra classes. They get tired. There are just a lot of, like, downstream effects to all this. Yeah, for sure. I also want to add for my family, my daughter is going into fourth grade, but her kindergarten teacher and I, we're actually still friends. Uh We talk and share things about life on IG and, you know, she continues to encourage the children. Oftentimes, people don't think about that relationship building that happens between a teacher and a student or a teacher and a family. You know, that old saying that it takes a village to raise children. I really believe that. And I want to give my children's teachers, the past, present, and future ones, props for helping me as a parent raise and educate my kids. So, Megan, I know we've talked a lot about kind of like the bleakness. The bad, the bad. Megan, I know we've talked about the, the bad, the bad, right? But, you know, what do we have to look forward to? You know, this is definitely a pressing issue in Pennsylvania What are some possible potential solutions? This is the fun part. Seven potential positives here. Okay, thank God. (laughs) So number one, and I think this cannot be overstated, we could just pay people more, especially early and mid-career teachers or for harder to cover subjects or, you know, for schools that are just particularly difficult to staff. The state could help pay more. That's number one. Number two, um, I thought this was a fun one. Um, The Learning Policy Institute offered one of the most comprehensive looks in a while at something that I thought was sort of obvious, that the first year is often the hardest for somebody. They're new to the profession. They're new to being talked to and judged by little people all the time in their ear. Um, So we could make teenagers like don't don't forget the high school teachers. Right. (laughs) So we could make that first teaching year more like an apprenticeship. So you get a dedicated mentor mentor or someone that works with you within the classroom and is a dedicated resource um, and help with that retention thing. You know, that first year is often the hardest and some folks just never return. Um, Number three, we could ask teachers how they're doing, like officially, formally, make it a thing to ask people like, hey, how you doing? A lot of states, not Pennsylvania, but some others, um, they actually survey teachers about like working conditions to try to proactively identify and solve problems. Number four, Give teachers more support, more autonomy on their curriculum, on student discipline. Take a little bit less from the state and give a little bit more to the local districts. Number five, take intentional and intersectional efforts to recruit, hire, support, and promote teachers of color. And you need literally every one of those steps. You cannot let them slide. And those efforts should really start in college so that we're getting folks into the teacher training programs to feel supported throughout the whole process. Number six, reduce certification and training barriers. Um, There's a lot of red tape. I don't know how familiar you are with this to like moving states, for example. Like if you and your family move from West Virginia to Pennsylvania, um, the teaching requirements could be totally different. 
So streamlining some of that could help. Some states are beginning to try that. Um, I think there's seven now that have made it possible to become a teacher through community college, for example, instead of the four-year route, um, which is a lot more friendly to working people who need to count their pennies or you know their family requirements mean that they could only attend class at night. Like You get more mid-career people moving into education um, when they're already more patient. They maybe already have families of their own. They're better at dealing with children. And number seven, maybe my favorite, maybe a good old-fashioned PR campaign. Um, There's actually a fair number of them happening across the country right now, organizations that are really actively looking for more support. They have commercials during major events. Um, There's one called the One Million Teachers of Color campaign, um, another one called the Campaign for Our Shared Future. They actually launched their own educator defense fund earlier this year for like legal support for folks that are coming up against like far-right extremist groups like Moms for Liberty. Um, It's really cool to see like kind of this groundswell of support where our teachers on their own are just being like, we need more help. We need more people that look like us. We need more people with our lived experience. Let's make it happen. If you won't help, we'll do it for ourselves. For sure. Um, or, you know, maybe we could just all watch Abbott Elementary. I don't know. What do you think, Janae? Does that make you want to be a teacher right now or not? Oh, no, I, I can't be a teacher. I, I don't have the patience. <laughs> I, again, kudos to all of the educators from pre-K all the way to college levels. Um, I think specifically about Abbott Elementary, though, I think they have done a phenomenal job of just putting this particular, so so many of the issues that we talked about here today on the show, putting that in a comedic way, but it's serious. Mm-hmm. So shout out to Quinta Brunson, Lisa Ann Walter, and Cheryl Lee Ralph, along with others who not only play characters, but they have really been voices for education since the show. I see them in headlines speaking out about some of the issues that real districts are going through. Yeah, yeah. If you're not familiar, uh, Abbott supposedly takes place in in Philadelphia. Um, the first episode, some of the first few minutes, like it's talking about not being able to afford real basics in the classroom, and then it flashes to the Eagle Stadium. Like it is, it is some <laughs> real talk, real fast, and it's also just really funny. Um, Thank you so much, Trinae, for talking to us. I hope you and the kiddos have such a great first day. Thank you. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you're liking the show, please rate us, leave us a nice review, and make sure you're subscribed to our Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you soon. Oh, you say yins, right? Is that what you're saying? Mm Mm-hmm.